We can jump into this because I have so many thoughts, like a million thoughts. I definitely do too. As usual, pretty much the only thing I can remember is like the last 10 minutes of episode 12, you know, just whatever the last episode I watched was. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did I already mention that in our last episode? Because I feel like I did. I don't think so. Mm. I think you're good. But I think everybody knows you don't take notes. So yeah, I'll bring the prompts and you bring the funny. We reached that point where everyone's just kind of aware that Raquel comes into this unprepared. Like, Emily takes notes, and uh, so she's the one that just, like, will randomly bring up another scene. I have no segue skills. I'm just like, okay, now we're talking about this thing. (laughs) Uh, The only reason I have segue skills is because my ADD makes me um, also... Just bring up whatever's on my mind at any given point in the K-drama, and from there we just see how organic we can make it. Yeah, I think we're getting good at it. So we don't even need notes anymore. Except that I do need notes because I also would not remember any of the drama. We're doing fine. This is good. Our podcast is good. Yeah, it's gonna. We're gonna get paid for this someday. (laughs) Maybe not this one specifically. But, you know, something similar. Everyone has a starting point, honestly, so. Oh. Um, real quick, before we finally start, you look so pretty. Like, it's crazy. Like, your skin is, like, glowing. Can I tell you something? What? I literally received my package of Curology today. Like, the face wash and moisturizer. Yeah. Uh, I washed my face 10 minutes before we started recording and put on moisturizer. The only makeup I'm wearing is eyeliner and mascara. So you saying that to me, someone who started Curology so that they could have beautiful Korean skin, <laughs> that's never going to happen for me. If you end up recording this in the or keeping this for the podcast, I do want to say that's never going to happen for me, and I know it's not. I am self-aware enough. Uh, but that said, like the fact that you just said that to me, Makes my whole world. I think that you and I are fate. (laughs) I'm just, like, really jealous. And what an ad for Curology. Because, like, one wash, look at you. Look at my skin. It's very good. It's very good. Um, I swear to God, I'm not doing this because I thought that you were compliment fishing in any way when you told me my skin was pretty. Your makeup also looks stunning you look so pretty that's why i was like hey do you work today because like it was one of those things where i was just like em is always pretty but i can tell that she like did that like oh here's a little little bit of this a little bit of that and hop on the podcast look like a natural beauty (laughs) i'm always compliment fishing so you can be aware of that no i wasn't but thank you (laughs) you're welcome oh this is a nice way to start the podcast. Compliments. You want to start the, every podcast episode with a compliment to each other? Mm-hmm. And we may or may not keep it in the recording because most of mine will be me being like, okay, now say something about my skin because that's what I need. Because it looks so good right now. <laughs> yeah, it'll be hard if they're all looks-based, but I think that's fine. People would kind of maybe know what we look like. Our pictures are on the website. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go look there, but like... Imagine the skin even better. Imagine the skin on Curology. Okay.
everyone, and welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is the show where we take a K-drama, we watch it two episodes at a time, and then we get together here every week to talk about it. Yeah, this week we watched 11 and 12 of Crash Landing on You. Ah, this show is so good and so stressful and so romantic. Yeah, the show is ruining me. I think we, I do say that every week. Like, I do think that I've been pretty aware of the fact that this show is a road to destruction uh, <laughs> since probably, like, episode four. I was like, oh, this K-drama is very good, and I think <laughs> it's going to hurt me in ways I may never recover from. And it's consistent in that. It hasn't let yep. you down in that it is definitely still ruining us. Oh, for sure, for sure. I had this revelation this week. This week was maybe the hardest for me to watch both episodes, and not because the episodes were anything less than absolutely spectacular, because they are absolutely spectacular. <laughs> like, every second of every episode is everything I want to see. Yeah. So definitely no shortcomings necessarily. What was hard about it is there was this really big revelation, it, like it dawned upon me in a moment, not like a revelation brought to you by the K-drama, but a revelation about the K-drama. It is very, very, very unlikely that we will have anything resembling a happy ending with this K-drama. I feel like it's extremely likely that if someone doesn't die then at the like very least, they will not be together in the end because it's hard for them to reconcile. Like the whole like, I'm from North Korea, you're from South Korea thing. That's pretty tough. That's a toughie, you know? <laughs> um, that is maybe the, <laughs> the textbook definition of, of irreconcilable differences. And so I just don't, and also they keep referencing Romeo and Juliet and the K-drama that the one good K-drama boy watches is about people who aren't together in the end and one of them dies. And it all feels like very heavy foreshadowing. So anyway, I just talked for like many minutes straight about this. I do know that. I'm sorry. I just took the mic and ran with it. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I like it. I'm I'm pr trying to prepare myself to be hurt, and it's hard, so... It's impossible. There's no, like, prediction corner anymore. That's out the window, because we have no idea what's going to happen, and that's a scary place to be. Yep. I get you. That's an anxiety builder, for sure. Yeah. I just want them to be happy. They have so much chemistry. They're doing such a good job. Yeah. Um, I could watch these two be in love forever, so... You know. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really feels like they won't, and that's a real big bummer. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to go through these episodes sort of in order? Because my notes are actually pretty dope this time. Sorry to humble brag. Not humble, <laughs> just brag. <laughs> my notes are fire. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, my notes are non-existent, so if you want to drive this conversation, I will try not to derail it. <laughs> All right, we'll keep it chronological for the most part. Um, oh, we find out how Ri Jung-hyuk got to the south. He crawled through a coal mine or a gold mine. Was that mine? honestly... Uh, I'm not sure. Was that honestly at the beginning of episode 
11. It was, and then they consistently had little scenes of, like, the finding of the pin and the police investigating the mine. So it comes up a few times throughout the two episodes. Okay. It does feel like a million years ago. (laughs) So I did not realize that that was the beginning of episode 11. I'm having crash landing on you related memory loss, so... This show does a really good job of giving you what you want, like ending episode 10 with Ri Jung-hyuk showing up in Seoul and then meeting up and then being like, okay, we explain it. Like, there's a reason behind it. We're not gonna waste your time with the reason he got- or, like, the the method of getting to Seoul first. But we will explain ourselves. He can't just appear in the South, because, like, we even had Yun Seiri being like, if you got here in, like, a day, how come I couldn't come back for, like, three weeks? It was good. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good, good explanation. Call yeah. And then him being like, yeah, no, um, also that's not a viable option anymore, because there was, like, a cave collapse. There was, like, a cave collapse, and I had to crawl for 20 straight hours. Didn't think you'd be up for that. Um, you know, something that's actually, it's interesting how naive I am capable of being at times. <laughs> Because there was this part of me that was like, great, he's in South Korea. No big deal. Like, that's a way safer place than North Korea. You can just defect. Like, that's great. People will accept that if you're like, I'm from North Korea. People will be like, good. Welcome. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that you could just claim, what is it? Um, there's something where refugees can like, yeah, asylum. Asylum. You yeah. got it. You're the smartest person in the world. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm pretty sure that if he could just be like, yeah, I need asylum because my country wants to kill me, everyone would be like, prove it. And he'd be like, okay, I harbored a South Korean Mm -hmm. and helped her escape. And everyone would be like, this is a pretty good reason to, uh, to need asylum. And also look at you. We'll keep you. Sure. (laughs) I will take it. You have very broad shoulders, sir. (laughs) Yeah, I was in that same boat. I was in that same very naive boat of like, (laughs) it doesn't really matter if people find out he's North Korean. They're gonna let him stay. And he's like, no, especially if I plan on going back to North Korea, probably not great news if somebody finds me here. Yeah, and then Seiri has to go and be all practical and be like, yeah, my brothers, or especially my middle brother, is they're pretty low-key evil, so, you what know. What is happening with that sister-in-law? Yeah, she's psychotic, for sure. I thought that they'd have a hard time finding someone to out-villain our OG villain, but you know, she's doing a pretty good job. She's doing great, and they teamed up. Yeah, which... Love that for our leads. You know, that's not going to be a huge problem. Yeah, we've got two villains teaming up now, which seems like worst case scenario for sure. But like, we love a good villain. So go hard or go home, I guess. I like that her brother was like, if you're telling me to my face that you're going to murder my sister, maybe I see that this is not a good plan. Yeah. It was sort of redeemable. Yeah, I think that both of her brothers are terrible people. I don't know if... uh, I think the middle brother actually is probably a little bit evil, you know? Just, like, a little bit of a just, like, innately bad dude. But even then, I think he can see the value, or rather, like, 
the problems with having his sister killed is that puts you in a really, really, really vulnerable position, wherein if that news ever gets out, then, you know, you're ruined either way. So <laughs> why would you... That's blackmail material right there. So. Oh, Raquel with the villain perspective. That's much smarter. I was just hoping that he was like, hey, I'm a little bit naive, and I thought maybe you would just, like, kidnap my sister and she could live a kind of sad life in the North. I didn't think you would actually just straight up murder her. And that's a bit shocking. But, you know, either way, not great. Definitely a villain. Huh. But the sister-in-law, here we come. Here we come with the real villain moves. Yikes. Yikes. Also, she's a lot smarter than most people, I think. Yeah, that really sucks. Yeah, I wish that she was maybe just a little bit less intelligent than she actually is. So, if they could make that happen for me, I'd appreciate it. But it's starting to feel a little bit like the sister-in-law versus Yunseri and everybody else kind of as pawns in the middle. And like, how dope is that? That is pretty cool. Who run the world? These two girls, specifically. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. Um... There's a storyline, I guess this is part of it. There's a storyline going on in the north with the village ladies. And at first, the first time we see them after Seiri has left, or I guess they got the letter. The first time we see them in these two episodes, they're going to a fortune teller. And that was an interesting scene. Yeah. So, like, that's a famous (laughs) comedian, the fortune teller. Oh, okay. See, I'm really glad you're providing me the cultural context I need to know <laughs> to understand what's happening in this Korean drama at this very strange scene. It was still very strange. I think, again, like, they do a good job with their cameos. They're taking them very seriously in this show, and I appreciate that. I didn't do any research this time, so I don't know if that comedian was like, this is like a character that I do, you know, like, maybe that's a familiar image or character in South Korea. I didn't research that enough. Gonna be straight with you. But she did say the wiretapper has gone far away and will not return. And the village will be bathed in blood. So, like, two pretty intense premonitions here. Yep, I'm pretty worried. Uh, I had forgotten about that for sure. Like, I'd forgotten about that deal, and now I'm very concerned. I do hope that why... You know, I just... The more time that goes on, the more I'm positive that everyone in this Korean drama is going to die. (laughs) I was just, you know... Hoping he'd stay in the South. I guess I'm naive like Siri's brother, but I was like, he doesn't have to die. He can just like live his life in the South, which is also very sad. He does have a wife and child. We discussed this. Mm-hmm. But like, can't he also maybe live at the end of the drama? I don't know. It'd be nice. Please don't make him die and please don't kill his wife and child. Please kill nobody. What if the blood that it's bathed in is the blood of our enemies? Who's our enemies? I don't know. There's two of them. That's not a whole lot of blood. (laughs) It's not very much blood, but uh, what is his name? God, I didn't even write down our our baddie boy's name. I'm really glad that you also don't know off the top of your head, because we said it a couple times last episode, and then I forgot. Jochul Gong. Yeah. 
Nailed yeah. it. We hope he dies. Yeah, that would be fine. And then, like, maybe they'll be bathed, bathed in the blood of the war that causes reunification. <gasps> Who knows? We're not asking for war, because that's a very high price. But, like, if we could just kill Jochul Gong, one man, for the price of reunification. Do you think that he, perhaps, is the one that is... The single pawn standing between North and South Korea's reunification, because I'm not saying it couldn't be true. I mean, not gonna lie, sometimes, obviously, this is kind of a cynical perspective on history, but sometimes I think maybe people like Jo Chol Gong end up reunifying the North and South because he has so many connections and, like, so much power with his, like, blackmailing over people in the North and South, and he ends up just connecting all these people and bringing them together and accidentally or purposefully reunifying the country for, like, nefarious purposes. <laughs> and then he dies, and he goes down in history as, like, the hero who reunified the North and the South. You know, that does sound a little like history in the deep and unfortunate irony of someone who's not great becoming a hero. It sounds right when I say it, right? Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. dark, but... It seems like the... I don't know. I don't think they'll go that far with this show. <laughs> no. <laughs> I want reunification to be endgame so that Sayuri never has to say goodbye to her sons, but, like, I do not feel like it's the actual endgame. <laughs> <laughs> it's just what I want. Yeah. Because, boy, howdy, am I going to be just devastated when she does have to say goodbye to those good, good boys again. Uh, Ooh. One time was hard. The... Their reunification was beautiful. So precious. Oh my god. Mm -hmm. And I just love that there's there's a lot more presence of, like, very strong men openly being emotional, especially about just, like, friendship. Yes. Like, their friendships and how willing they are to be about their friendships is so good. I am so sorry that we're going out of order, but there was something at the end of episode 11 that I have to talk about so that I don't forget. Okay, what was it? I love a good male lead stoic cry when he's afraid. Because he answers the phone when Seri is being chased by Cholgong, and he, as soon as he hears Cholgong's voice on the other side instead of Seri's, you can see, first of all, killing it, Hyunbin, because that's some stunning acting, that you can see the actual terror on his face, and then there's just, like, a tear, you know? And I love a good cry in the face of fear, because I also, I usually don't cry when I am afraid, I cry after I was afraid. Yeah. I like anxiety cry. I, the two things that are most likely to make me cry are anxiety and frustration. And so when I see my good, good anxiety cry just right there before me on, on screen, personified by the most beautiful human that's ever existed, I was so here for it. I love the vulnerability in that. Yeah. Yeah, this show has so much vulnerability in it, in the characters' love for each other, like all the characters' relationships. Mm -hmm. What a what a gem. What a prize of a show. Mm. Uh, since we're going out of order, just really quick, it's kind of related, but the only time I cried, and I actually cried, like I feel like I know what you're going to say. 
I do. I do you want to try saying it at the same time? <laughs> Maybe. Okay. One, two, three. When, when the women, the women brought, brought the things by supplies. Oh. <laughs> Wait, we did bad, but we knew we yeah. were there. We were there together. <laughs> oh my god, did you cry? I cried so much. I I was just short of sobbing. I was crying very hard. Just trying to breathe through it. I thought I was going to cry at different times. Like, obviously, Yun Se-ri, Ri Jung-hyuk, they have my heart. Those boys that are running around Korea, they have my heart. But freaking friendship? Me and Raquel live and die for a friendship. And seeing these ladies who, like, almost didn't seem like friends. They seemed yeah. like definitely comrades. Like, they're in this village together, they're sticking it out, they've got each other's backs. But you see the scene where they're washing clothes and they're like, we can't associate with Young A anymore. She's dead to us. We will all be killed if we're her friend anymore. And you're like, that's a high risk. Like, I get it. I would not blame any of you for just avoiding her. But to see them all, like, secretly sneak through the night... To bring her supplies, and Young A's like, no, don't do this. You will be killed. My heart, I couldn't. <laughs> women supporting women is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. It's so and friends good. being friends. Friends being friends. They're the best of times and the worst of times. Oh my lord. Yep. Uh, so yeah, uh, if this K-drama can hurt me in such an unexpected way... You know the devastation that will be brought down upon my emotions in uh, the next episodes. <laughs> so. The ones we expect to get hurt in are after episode 12. And they've brought plenty of pain before episode 12, so like, yay. Circling back to male vulnerability, there was a part where Ri Jun-hyuk talks about... Uh, how all he wants is to stay with Seri and have beautiful twins with her and watch her hair go gray and know that they will get to be together and raise their family and be happy. Okay, um, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> that was nice. That was nice, I guess. And <sighs> we all forgot about it because we were drunk and it was just like a... Like a fun late night drinking game. Not the most real, vulnerable, emotional moment in the entire drama thus far. Apparently, Koreans just go real hard when they drink, so, you know. <laughs> so, you know, this boy wants to defect, and, like, can we not make that happen? Oh, Seri is the strongest person I've ever seen to yep. not the next day go to the embassy and be like, so say hypothetically, I was harboring an illegal immigrant. Hypothetically, of course. Hypothetically. What would it look like to get him to stay? Do I have to marry him? Because I already have. Because I definitely already have. Can he have a green card now? Oh, this show is so rough. Um, remember when Ri Jung-hyuk found the recording on Yoon Se-ri's birthday? Or of Yoon Se-ri <gasps> on her birthday? Whoa, yeah. That was very... That was a lot. Okay, I will say one thing. I was not crazy about, like, him asking for a picture on the bridge. To me, it was overkill. 
we already had a moment together that like tied them. We didn't need to be like, okay, so it wasn't enough that he played this beautiful piano song that like touched her soul and maybe saved her life. We also need him to actually be there and like stop her from committing suicide. Without like, even knowing it. Uh, we didn't. We were already, we were pretty convinced of their romance, I think. Yeah. Don't need another thing. It's one of those things, interestingly, that, like, every other show, like, you know, that my, probably, I would say, if it's not number one, then it is up there. Number one least favorite trope of any Korean drama is that they have to know each other as children thing. Yeah. That one just really bothers me. This show has done a better job with doing that, which is to say, obviously, I mean, so far, they haven't known each other as children, <laughs> but the whole deal with, um, it's gotten me to believe in fate, which is silly, because, and like soulmates, which is so silly, because it is a work of fiction, so... Should I believe in soulmates and fate specifically based on this Korean drama? Probably not. Probably <laughs> don't probably don't need to take it that far. Has it made my heart flutter in the moments that it's like, oh, he saved her, oh, this is fate, him being like, this is clearly destiny. Yeah, no, they've gotten me. They've totally I'm such a goner for this show. <laughs> See, I guess that was why I wasn't quite crazy about it, because it was so perfectly done. Like you said, we're so not usually interested in the trope of they knew each other before the drama, mm -hmm. and I thought they did such a perfect job with this twist that was like, they kind of knew each other, but they didn't know who each other was. Like, he didn't know her at all, and she only knew this song that he played. I was like, chef's kiss. That is perfection. <laughs> you freaking nailed it. And I was like, you don't need to go a step further and be like, but they actually also talked. Like, I'm just waiting for like two episodes later for them to be like, and he actually met her for dinner later. And you're like, stop, stop coming back to this. It was perfect. Don't touch it anymore. Just forget about it. Quit touching it. No more touching it. Okay. Yeah. I get that. I wasn't as mad as I seem now. This show is just so perfect yeah. that I have to nitpick the only tiny things that maybe weren't perfect for me. <gasps> Raquel, my next note, episode 11, about halfway through, we got Subway Eat Fresh. <gasps> you know, it would have been devastating if we had made it through this K-drama <laughs> and no one had eaten at Subway. We even got Yunsi Ri eating at Subway. I think we called that, and we said it was ridiculous, and it kind of is. I'm still in that camp of, this girl does not eat at Subway, please stop. But she's never eaten bread in her life. <laughs> <laughs> she's never had any bread in her life. But we're here, we're ready to party. Welcome, Subway. Glad to have you. Yeah, the product placement now that they're back in the South is rampant, which, I mean, they have to make up for the full first half where they didn't have, like, any product placement or very few moments of product placement, so now they've got to circle back and they've got to just, you know, hit it real hard with the, I mean, there's like a Nestle uh, little... Nespresso. Nespresso, which, y'all, not great for the environment. <laughs> okay, I'm just done. Just gonna say it. <laughs> I have a Keurig... 
I don't, I haven't used it because I left it in the States for the past three years. <laughs> but I'm waiting for them to make, like, reusable cups. I know they have some, but I've heard they're not great. Let's get on that. Really kickstart some reusable Keurig and Nespresso cups, because that is ridiculous. Yeah. All yep. right, climbing down uh, from the high horse. <laughs> um, but yeah, we got our subway. I think at one point we got, I don't know, they went shopping, which like always here for a good makeover. All of the suits that she put, Regan Hyokin, <laughs> I total fan service, totally here for it. <laughs> so good. Very well done. Um, BBQ chicken. Oh, yeah. Yes, it looks delicious. Maybe I can we like- tone it down? 90% sure a BBQ chicken opened up in Bellingham before I moved away. What? I'm like, I'm 90% sure because I don't actually, like, I don't know definitively that it was a BBQ chicken, but mm. it was like, you know, now I've got to check, so just don't mind me. Give me a second. <laughs> no, okay, it wasn't a BBQ chicken. Okay, well, we're good. Uh-huh. Thank God. Uh-huh. I think they maybe are only in Korea, maybe. Or maybe they're not. I don't know. Do you have a BBQ chicken where you live? I don't. I don't have any chain restaurants where I live, though. Yeah. So, like, you know, not surprising. Maybe our listeners do. If y'all know if BBQ chicken is in the States, hit us up. Hit us up. We're curious because it looks so good. But also, do we all need to be there all the time? I don't know. Product placements. They're... Yeah. Going ham. Once again, has Sari ever eaten fried chicken in her life? No. No, but she does almost every day in this drama. (laughs) That's the real fantasy of dramas, that you can (laughs) eat barbecued chicken every day and still look like a Korean actress. You can eat any of these foods. No. We know her fridge is full of water because that's actually all she eats. Um, There's a storyline where Gu Sung-jung stays with Sodan. We got two move-in tropes at the same time. We got Ri Jung-hyuk moving in with Yin Siri, and we got Gu Sung-jun being like, I'm gonna stay with Sodan now, and I'm here for it. Get it. That love story is coming along very nicely. I definitely felt a little more uh, compassion towards Gu Sung-jung when you finally got to tell his backstory. Big yikes, my babe. Yeah, big, big yikes. Um, a little bit sad that you did try and use Seri, even though apparently you loved her, to take down her family. I'm sure she would have been happy to help you, honestly. Yeah, it actually probably would have worked better if you got to know her and asked for her help. Yep. She might have helped out, but it worked out for the best. You were definitely trying to con her at that point, and she saw right through you, and I think that definitely saved your friendship, if you can call what you have now a friendship, which I do. I like to think they're friends. Yeah, I like to think they're friends, too. I think that especially after he helped Sari Smuggle her out of the country? This is a pretty big friendship move. Yeah, and pretty much it doomed him. I don't know that he knew it would at the time, but... But look at him now. What a poor guy, sneaking around... I don't know. It just, hearing his story, you're like, how many things can go wrong in your life? We thought you were a bad guy and you're getting your comeuppance by being trapped in North Korea without any contacts left. But hearing your story, it just sounds like a series of unfortunate events and you constantly trying to get ahead and everything going really poorly. Yeah. 
Yep, he really can't. He can't seem to get anything figured out, and that is a big bummer. Maybe Dan can just fix everything for him. Yeah, I just want them to kiss, kiss, fall in love. Yeah. It looks like it's happening. I love the way he talks to her. Literally everything she says, he's like, you are just the best. You are just the cleverest and funniest, and I just love you. And I'm like, that's the support you need in a relationship. Okay, Dan? He's clearly listening to you, and he likes you a lot. Yeah, and he helped you through a breakup recently without any expectation of getting anything out of it, but now he's just being, like, really dope and supportive and, like, you know, maybe give it a chance. Maybe give it a chance. Keep your heart open, so Dan. I won't control you, because maybe you just don't like him, and that's allowed. Yeah, but, totally. Like, keep your heart open. Keep your heart open. Think about it. Think about how he actually makes you feel. Is it good? Does he make you feel good? Do you think he's Do you think he's very good looking? Because he's pretty good looking. He's pretty darn good looking. <laughs> Gosh dang. He's got the fashion sense that I look for in every person. <laughs> I want all his coats. Even the bright orange one. Yeah. God dang. God dang. Um, was it episode 11 that he came and picked her up? Or was that episode 10? Yeah. Uh, I guess I'm not checking, but yes, it was these two episodes. Okay, cool. What a moment. What a bad yeah. lunch. Oh my gosh. Why do rich yeah. people only hang out with snobs? Yeah, why are rich people all so mean to each other? Yeah, I don't get it. But him picking her up. Well done, Alberto. Yeah, he's killing it. He's killing it. You're a good boy. Um, We've got a storyline with Seri's mom, and I think we might have predicted a little bit wrong that Seri is her favorite child. It seems like maybe her love for Seri is at least significantly driven by guilt. Yeah... Guilt and then maybe some too little too late type of thing where you actually realize you love your child when they've been presumed dead and actually in North Korea for a while. Yeah, real rough. We definitely Mm -hmm. don't like the mom as much anymore. But like, if you can live the rest of your life quietly supporting Seiri from the background, that would be a redeeming quality. Yep. I mean, if she can find a way to, like, fix everything and maybe unify the North and the South, then that's a start. (laughs) That's a start. Maybe Siri will forgive you a little bit. I do feel a little bit like maybe her mom's part to play in this will be kind of that endgame savior moment, which is to say, I don't think it will be complete redemption, but maybe it will be, like, some level of redemption for Seri to have, like, a moment to see her mom, like, I don't know, walk in and fix everything or something. Yeah, Yeah. I guess I don't know if it will be something that Seri sees, but I hope that it's something that her mom does, whether she gets credit for it or not. Yeah. We can hope. Yeah. How do we feel about Seri's dad? Because I still don't know. I still don't get what's up with him. (laughs) Like, I think he cares about Seri, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's really hard watching that scene between the the two gentlemen who worked for Seri, who Mm -hmm. were like, she's alive. I was so glad we got a resolution to that storyline, because there was that scene of them trying to come at him in the parking lot and being like, Seri's alive, and he walks out of the elevator all cool, and then, like, I forgot about it. (laughs) 
but I'm glad there was a resolution where they're sitting across from Sehyung, I think is her brother's name, and mm. he's like, you can't believe them, I'm your son. And poor Papa has to be like, I don't know, I think he's a good enough man that he's like, yeah, I mean, this guy's my son. I'm sorry, boys, but I gotta believe my children. Yeah. Which is such a hard place to be when two of your children are definitely working against your other child. Right. And I'm pretty sure that he is not a great person based on just like a bunch of evidence. Mm-hmm. I mean, all anecdotal, to be fair. But <laughs> I guess Sung Jung had quite the story about Seri's dad. Yeah. So. You know, I'm pretty sure he's not a great person, but you can tell that there's moments where he's like, oh, shit. Because, like, <laughs> I do think he cares about Seiri. Obviously, he was he believed those guys to some extent because he was looking into her being in South Korea or something. I don't know. I didn't completely understand that part where he was filling out paperwork. Yeah, I didn't get that at all. <laughs> Um, but then there was another part that kind of stopped me in my tracks, wherein he talks about how the only time his family will come to dinner is if it's to talk about the money they're going to get, mm-hmm. and how, like, I don't know, clearly that's really disappointing for him, even though he probably really facilitated that familial culture. And the way he talks to his wife throughout the series, you can tell she really loves and respects her but also that their relationship is pretty strained. Yeah. It's just fascinating. But, like, yeah, I I can't figure him out. I don't know where I'm at with him. Do you think we'll ever see him and Ri Jun-hyuk meet? Because... Pass. I don't... (laughs) We don't need it. I don't want it. I don't need it. Just get married in secret. Don't tell your dad. Get married in secret. Don't tell your dad. Advice from Play on K. (laughs) Do you know what happened with the dad at the beginning of the series? I feel like episode one was like him getting out of the hospital or... I think he was getting out of prison for being a problematic businessman, but I might be wrong. That's That was my other guess, but I was like, no, I'm being mean. He got out of the hospital for being for working too hard and being a nice, nice boy. <laughs> so yeah, we've got a lot of evidence against Papa. <laughs> Yikes. <sighs> But I like watching his scenes. His interactions with all the different characters are really interesting to watch. I guess I feel that way about Ri Jung-hyuk's dad as well, mm-hmm. where you can tell he takes his position really seriously, but he also is trying to balance that with his family, who is, Ri Jung-hyuk, love you. You're not being a good son, okay? No. Your papa just wants you to to do what you're told, and you're not doing that, and it's making it very hard for your dad to live. <laughs> And, like, I can appreciate where your heart's coming from. I also wish your dad could just accept your love, and I honestly, I wish that your dad could just let you move to South Korea. (laughs) But, you know, now all of a sudden I think your dad is a little bit in a fight for his life, just covering up the fact that you bounced across the border, so. Yeah, so I feel for him a little bit. Yeah. Put him in a bit of a pickle. (laughs) Um... That parking lot scene between episodes 11 and 12. Wow. My heart was beating out of my chest. Yep, they did a real good job of building that tension. I was really mad at Sayuri for dropping her phone. Just, like, so mad. And then, of course, they made it a good thing or whatever. It saved her (laughs) life, I guess. Yeah, I was okay with it. I mean, probably just because it worked out. Hindsight is 20-20. 
But I definitely, yeah, I definitely thought that it would be easier for him to track her if she had her phone since they talked about the location thing. And I thought she would get taken further away from the parking garage. Everything worked out. I was just nervous about all of it constantly. In the f- fight in the yeah, the dope fight with all the gangsters. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, mm, I love a good fight scene. I love a good fight scene. I love that the lead in every Korean, the male lead in every Korean drama, can take on like twelve men by himself. Yeah, because why not? Yeah, I would love in my life, to fall in love with a man that could take on 12 men by himself. So, you know, I think I'm going to go ahead and aim for that. (laughs) All right. And we'll see what happens. I wish you luck. Set a really unexpected bar of expectation. Unexpected bar of expectation? I don't know about that, Raquel. I don't know about that. But I know what you mean, and that's all that matters. Yeah. It's not even like it's fighting as an attractive quality. I think it's just the whole idea of being, like, that independent. That you can walk into a dangerous <laughs> building full of 12 men, <laughs> and you can just, like, walk out with, like, a scratch. Yutsiri does the same thing, like, three days later. Yeah. And she does it without fighting anybody. She fights with business. She fights with money. She fights with money. <laughs> and that coat. Oh, oh my, my god. god. <laughs> that coat is so dope. Oh, that was such a good coat for that occasion. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. I could stare at that coat forever. Yeah, they did a good job with the costuming. I'm just very proud of all of the suits and all of the coats, but that coat was just maybe perhaps the crown jewel. The crown jewel of this whole drama, which is... Yeah, a very high title, considering every outfit in this drama has been on point. Yeah, they're killing it. Yeah, say, that scene where Seiri pays back her grudges was very, very cool. I did tear up a little bit when she then pays back her debts, and we finally get some freaking validation for this poor man who's just been running around being like, I know she's out there. Yeah. We needed that. He deserved every good thing that came to him because I think he was the only person. I mean, obviously, like he said, like he kind of thought he was doing it for selfish reasons, but it did reach a point where it was probably in his best interest to let it go. Yeah. And he still was looking for her and he was like the only person that was just like, she has to come home safe. Out of every person in all of Korea, this one man who takes care of her insurance, was the only person that wanted her to come home safe. I love that she acknowledged that. That's so nice. I want to be Seiri. I just, I love the keep your enemies close and your friends closer. I know that that's not the actual saying, but I love yeah. that that's Seiri's approach. Yeah, me too. That she really, really takes care of her of the people that take care of her. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we did talk about it already, but the way she gets to greet her sons again, all of her good boys, that also got me just like a tiny bit teary because they're so happy to see her. And the way her good Korean drama boy just looks at her and says, we missed you. And then just like <laughs> runs toward her. Oh, you're going to cry now. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just really happy. It's just really nice that they got to find each other. 
There were so many, so many funny scenes with those five boys, like especially in the department store when they're looking for her. Oh my god, I was almost crying. I was laughing so hard. That is good comedy. Yeah, just shouting that you're going to get arrested. (laughs) (laughs) And the eavesdropper, like, sneaking up behind people (laughs) and then walking through all the doors. It's so simple. (laughs) But it's clearly like something he's just never interacted with. So it works. Someday, when you're back in the States and Ikea is open again, do you want to go to an Ikea and reenact that? (laughs) Because I would love to just dart in and out of doors in an Ikea. That sounds neat. I've never been to an Ikea. Let's do it. You would love it. (laughs) That's kind of why I've never been. Yeah. We'll walk out with way more furniture than we need. It's fine. It's fine. I'll bring more money than I need. (laughs) That sounds like a dream. Because that... Oh, And they're like banging on the window trying to get the baby out of bed. So precious. (laughs) They had a lot of good scenes. Like, I feel like... They could have felt like filler scenes to watch these five run around Korea just like trying to find Ri Jung Hyuk. And I thought they did a really, really good job of especially the storytelling where they're all sitting in the sauna and they're just going through. Yeah. Yeah, that was my favorite. I love the close calls. (laughs) It was very funny and the editing was like right on point. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very, very good. It was perfect. Um, Along those same lines, the fact that Ri Jun Hyuk became a gamer. Uh, <laughs> yes. Him and the baby face off. He loses. And his little... I mean, I know that we later found out that he had, like, other things he was up to. But at the time when he was just like, yeah, I lost to this guy. I've got to go meet up and fight him. Like, oh, my God. And he was just, like, very, like, matter-of-fact, like, pouty baby about it. And it's <laughs> pouty baby Regen Hyuk is my favorite Regen Hyuk, so. <laughs> He's the only one that can pull it off, probably because it comes so infrequently. Yeah. Like, he's usually so well-spoken and stoic and lovely. And just the fact that he has these moments where he just, like, kind of loses all of his face and he doesn't... He gets too invested in something and he forgets to not literally, like, fat lip pout is (laughs) so good. So good. I would buy him all of the in-game fucking treasures he wanted so Seiri I guess is like a responsible adult and that's why they're perfect for each other but like I love video games but I would also be like yeah I've got unlimited money if you want to just like chill here and like buy (laughs) some more stuff you gotta go back you gotta beat that young man (laughs) (laughs) yeah I guess that was the thing is like I gotta cut you off early because you're only level four and you're already going out to fight on the streets. Apparently this is problematic, something you cannot handle. (laughs) So although I don't think that adult relationships need to like cut each other off from entertainment that each other enjoys, I thought that was a funny scene because obviously he was taking it a bit too seriously. Yeah. And I like that her reasoning was specifically, like, you are too competitive of a person for this to be a healthy activity for you to take part in. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I want you to have this. Clearly you're enjoying it. It's just not gonna work. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Mikhail's a gamer. 
Yeah, I love me some video games. I don't play many MMORPGs, though, so... Yeah, they're a lot more intense. I'm kind of an antisocial gamer. I pretty much (laughs) always keep my uh, gaming systems on private mode so that no one can see I'm online, so that I can quietly play my video games by myself. I grew up (laughs) in a time when you play video games by yourself for the most part, and if you're lucky, you have a cousin or a sibling that can do the multiplayer games with you on occasion. Yeah, I guess I was the opposite. My only experience with video games is playing them with my siblings, or my friends, or my now husband. I have a really hard time playing them all alone. It's just not that interesting to me. Social gamer. I'm a social gamer. Um, everyone got makeovers. All the boys. Yep. Reed Young Count got a makeover. I kind of expected it. And yeah. I absolutely loved it. I was here for it. Yeah, bound to happen. All very good. But I did not know that those good boys would also get makeovers. <laughs> Every, you get a makeover and you get a makeover. What a dream. You all look very good. They all looked great. They did a great job of really encapsulating their own personality in their outfits that they yeah. put on. Yeah. Oh my god. I just like seeing them be Southerners. This is rough. I'm just like waiting for the other shoe to drop and everything goes back to North Korea. Kind of every scene that happens in North Korea now, except the scenes with Sodan and Gusungjun and our village ladies. I guess all the scenes in North Korea that it's like military guys like plotting against Ri Jung-hyuk make me nervous, but also I want to skip them a lot. I just don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about the fact that he has to go back. Nope. What if he stays and everything's fine and nothing hurts? That will happen if I just ignore the problem. Yep. Um, I had a thought that made me ultra nervous. What happens when young A is taken into custody and interrogated and she knows everything about Siri and Jin Hyuk? Hey, Raquel? Uh Uh-huh. Yep. You're not allowed. (laughs) Permission taken away. Permission taken away. You are not allowed to ask those things. (laughs) I didn't think of that, and I don't want you to make me think of it. Okay. I will- I I withdraw my comments. Redacted. (laughs) Get off my podcast. What? (laughs) Raquel! (laughs) What have- what happens when Young A gets interrogated and sells out Seri? Why did Seri leave the letter? What a fool. I hate this show. <laughs> yeah, big mood. It's here to ruin our lives, I'm pretty sure. It's already just like changed my brain chemistry. I think I um there's no going back, but also it's pretty hard to go forward, so <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to just exist anymore with this show also existing. <laughs> um one last thing. We made it. We're at the finale. The birthday. <gasps> Buddy. Oh, <laughs> how did that go, bud? Seems like a pretty good birthday surprise. Hey, um, I do, I have one quick critique for Jun Hyuk. Uh, just like a little baby critique. I love the birthday idea. I love mm-hmm. it. He's doing great. Good idea. He's lover boy. He knows what to do to set up a really good moment like he knows how to treat his good beautiful love right up until the moment that she calls your name a couple times and this is where the critique comes in maybe before she you know like you know the delicate situation that is your relationship like you're aware she's aware you're both aware I thought he wasn't home yet 
Yeah. Uh, I thought the door clicked and he walked in. On. Okay, maybe he walked in. Okay. I thought they were out buying stuff and they okay. put the hats on, hat, got it all prepared in the hallway. Maybe that's right. Because that, um, like, he's not that cruel, right? He's yeah. not that dumb. Like you said, he wouldn't be hiding in the bedroom. Like, <laughs> you hear her crying? Me too. Let's, Let's wait. Go. <laughs> She's really sobbing now. She has no <laughs> composure left. <laughs> I guess it's time. And now. <laughs> no, I think it was just a mistake of, like, timing. Like, he thought he'd be back before she was. Okay. And then he didn't get back in time. Dude, you gotta hustle. You had all day. Huh? You left in the morning, <laughs> sir. <laughs> it's not that hard to find party hats. You're in Gangnam. <laughs> I don't know anything about Seoul, and I know Gangnam. And I know there's gonna be a party supply store there. <laughs> it's probably down the block from her apartment. Where did you go all day, sir? You sir? were five minutes late, and you ruined the whole party. Yep. And all of the good boys now think they did something wrong, and they really didn't. And he's <laughs> going to explain to them how Savory is crumbling like all of us are, under the pressure of the impending separation between her and Regent Hug. Like, obviously, we're all crumbling. We're all crumbling. Oh, what an awkward scene to watch. <laughs> I just wanted it to be happy, and it couldn't be. And then she left. How are they going to redeem that? How are, How is she going to come back upstairs and be like, sorry, let's have cake? <laughs> that's that's all your fault, guys. All five of you? Yep. Uh, next year, when you all come over for her birthday, be on time. <laughs> <laughs> okay? It's like 8 p.m. I think you could have gotten here before then. <laughs> oh, so close. They had such a good idea. Poor kids. Poor kids. Well, maybe we'll get to see them have a real party where she's like, so listen, can we forget about that time you came into my apartment and I was chest sobbing, just like heaving, just dry heaving on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Let's forget that. It's party time. <laughs> that cake looks great. <laughs> Let's, I'm going to just, I'm going to just eat that myself. Uh, not because I'm sad, just because I can eat anything I want because I'm a fictional character. Yep. <laughs> okay give us the back hug the yep. k-drama famous back hug there we go we got a back hug Jun hyuk remembered all of the right words to say as usual he's very good at this he knows how to make my entire heart liquefy that was a very beautiful speech mm -hmm. you're learning so much Jun hyuk um that's it for me that's it for me all right if any of you listeners have anything to add it's probably going to be long, so email it to us at playonkpodcast at gmail.com. We also have our Twitter where you can just, like, toss us a little quick message, any of your thoughts, feelings, you know, just generally, if you want to talk about K-dramas, our handle is at playonk. We have a website with all of our past episodes, a link to our Patreon, and a way to sign up for our newsletter so that you never miss when we start a new drama and you can catch up on everything that I watched in a month. That's playonk.com. And we're on quite a few different places to listen to podcasts. If you hop over there, rate, review, and subscribe, 
We'd really appreciate it. It helps us get noticed. It helps us find new listeners to talk about K-dramas with, which we are always excited about. Places like iTunes, Stitcher, and Blueberry are a good place to start. We're also on Spotify. There's not really a rating system there, but if that's where you like to listen, we're there too. If you give us a five-star rating and review us, then we will, of course, give you a shout-out on the podcast because we appreciate that to no end. But, you know, keep it honest. We want to hear from you. What can we improve here? This is 100% unrelated, but just before we sign off, Carly Rae Jepsen's new album came out today, and it's really good. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have to listen to it. I've been listening to Astro's new album, Gateway, non-stop. Such a good album. There's just a lot of good pop music coming out, and if you're, like, a pop fan, I get that it's not for everyone. It wasn't always for me, and then over the years, I just really warmed to it, and now I just like to freaking dance around my house to Carly Rae Jepsen and Astro. So, if you guys need, like, a pick-me-up, things are rough. There haven't been a lot of great things about 2020, but I can assure you that Gateway and Dedication Side B are two of the best things about 2020 so far, so... Recommendations for you. Yeah. Thanks as always to James Paul Hevel for our theme song. We love it and we love you. Thanks, James. We love it and we love you and we love all of you for listening. Join us next week for another two episodes, episodes 13 and 14 of Crash Landing on You. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.